Good evening. We're going to get started here. This is the first of our Bible studies from my house rather than the church because of my believed COVID symptoms. Let's open in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for how much you love and care for us. We also ask you to bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. First Chronicles chapter 14, starting at verse 1. Now Hiram, king of Tyre, sent messengers to David in timber of cedars with masons and carpenters to build him a house. And David perceived that the Lord had confirmed him king over Israel, for his kingdom was lifted up on high because of the people of Israel. And David took more wives at Jerusalem, and David begat more sons and daughters. And these are the names of his children which he had in Jerusalem. Shamu. Jemu, uh, and Sobab, Nathan, Solomon, Iphar, Elisuah, Elipalet, and Noga, and Negfeg, and Japhiah, and Elishama, and Beelida, and Eliphalet. There we are. David is continuing his building of his kingdom. Previous chapter, he had, been, had won battles, and he decided to bring the altar of the Lord back to Jerusalem and did not consult God, did not look at how to do it, did not look to do it correctly, put the ark of the Lord on a cart, and, and Uzzah died because of that issue. And then... David left it in place because he feared God. Now he's continuing to build his kingdom, and Hiram, king of Tyre in the north, decides to help David out. He decides that he's going to send David timber of cedar, masons, and carpenters to build him a house. Now this is quite a quite a deal for, for David because he's being given some of the best lumber because Tyre had the best lumber and cedar. And Tyre was known for its builders, and they are going to literally build David's house for him in Jerusalem. He's just left Hebron and to build his new new head city that they had just conquered. And David says, says in verse 2 that David perceived that the Lord had confirmed him king over Israel, for his kingdom was lifted up on high and because of the people of Israel. So David says everything is going good, things are going well. God is blessing me. He has made me king over Israel. The people are lifting me up. I'm getting gifts from, uh, from the neighbors. And it says that Jesus, Jesus, David took more wives in Jerusalem, and he ends up having more children. Now, in 1 Chronicles 3, 1 through 4, we find out that David had had six sons that were his while he was in Hebron and earlier. And after he got to Jerusalem, he ends up having 13 more children. So he's going to end up with 19 children that are listed. And that does not count the children of the concubines that he had. So David has a very large family to be able to support and to have problems with. And we're going to see that, you know, over the time, you know, we look at David's life and he was not the greatest father out there and had lots of problems with his children because he had so many of them. Now we look at what happens after this list of his children, his building a kingdom, he's building his people, 
is looking at what can I do. And then we look at verse 8. And when the Philistines heard that David was anointed king over Israel, all Israel, all the Philistines went up to seek David, and David heard of it and went out against them. And the Philistines came out and spread themselves in the valley of Rephidim. And David inquired of God, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? And will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said unto him, Go up, for I will deliver them into your hand. And they came up to baal Perazim, and David smote them there. And David said, God hath broken in upon my enemies by mine hand, like the breaking forth of the waters. Therefore they called the name of that place Berah-perazim. And then they left their gods there. David gave the command that they should be burned with fires. All right, so here we have David getting ready to go to war. He's been building his kingdom. He's got his home being started up. He's getting married. And the Philistines come to give him trouble. The Philistines are the troublemakers of Israel. They constantly have been problems. Uh, Goliath of Gath was from the Philistines. And all of this is going to happen, and David is going to go to war and be able to set up this. But it says very interesting, when David heard of it, and he went out against them, and then the Philistines spread themselves out. And that means that they arrayed themselves for battle. They spread out so they weren't all in one place. And when David saw that, he did what he's supposed to have done. This is something we haven't seen David doing since he was consolidated king. He did not appear apparently inquire of God in chapter 13. But here he inquires of God saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? God, is this what you want? He's already moved out to go before them, but now he's seeking God before he goes into battle. This is something that we need to really be looking at. How many times do we make decisions to do something because we think it's right and end up finding out that it is not what God wanted us to do? And David has already gone through that in the previous chapter. He didn't do things God's way and somebody died. Here we're going to see David going up before the people, or before God, and saying, God, shall we make this attack? And God says, go up, for I will deliver them into your hand. I will give them over to you. And this is the beauty of what God will do for us. When we look to serve him and we inquire of him, he will be our victory, not us not anything that we did. And this is the thing that we want to remember as Christians. All that our victories come from God. If it's my victory, it's shallow and not, not useful. Here we see David saying, God, what do you want done? And God says, go up. I will deliver them into your hand. And David knows that now that God is going to give him victory over the enemy that has come up against him. And David has been having battles all along. He's fought the Amalekites. He's had battles against Saul's family. Now he's fighting for national peace. And this is what David's doing at this point. He's consolidating the people. He wants to consolidate them under the religion of worship of the Judaism and Jehovah. No more idols. He wants to be able to take and put everybody under one nation, one rule, one government, 
one military and not have the civil strife that has been going on up to this point in time. And David is saying, God, thank you. You're making me king. You're consolidating the power. You're bringing all the nations, all the tribes underneath me so that this will be a way to go. And it says, they came out to meet them, and David smote them there. And David said, God has broken in upon mine enemies by my hand, by like the breaking forth of waters. Therefore they named the place Pa'al Berazim. And that's an interesting thing. God's, they broke down and they just swept them away. And they were not able to stand before God and David. And it was God that they could not stand before. And we see this so many times. God gives victory. We had Joshua coming over the Red, over the, the River Jordan, and they defeated <coughs> the city by just marching around it. And that's you know, quite a battle plan. We see God striking an enemy down, 187,000 soldiers in one night by one angel. We see Elisha telling the servant to open his, asking God to open his servant's eyes so that he could see that those that are with them were greater than those that were around them. And the servant looked up and saw the angels encircling the enemy that had them encircled. And then they just prayed. They were struck blind. They led him into to the city to be captured and sent them home. You know, God does miracles. And we need to be able to look at this and say, God, what is it that you're going to do for us? God, I'm seeking you, I'm inquiring of you. What is it that I should do to lift you up and see what you're going to do before us? And watch and see that God is good. He's got a good plan. And his plans don't always make sense. And this is the hard part for us. We look at what God does, and God never tells us that he's going to make his plan logical to us when it starts. We only see how good it was after the fact. And many times it looks just plain insane when he tells us to do what he's asked us to do. And we see this all through the scriptures. All through the scriptures we see this. Naaman was told to go wash in the Jordan River seven times and he would be healed from his leprosy. Jesus antagonized the Pharisees and the scribes because they were putting the traditions of man above the laws of God. And so he made life very interesting and difficult for them. And we see all of this going on and David goes out and God says, I will give you victory. And David goes out and the way it talks about, he swept the enemy away. There was not even a hard battle. It says they, they came down like a, a flood of waters on them and swept them away. And in the midst of this battle, in verse 12, it says, They left their gods there, and David gave the command that they should be burned in fire. So they were so desirous of leaving that they left behind their idols. And David looked and saw all those idols and said, These idols need to go. And he says, Put them in a fire and burn them. Melt them down. Get rid of them. We're not going to be looking at idols. And I'm sure that David was looking at the idea that the people were still not solidly following God. They had not inquired of God during all the time of, of Saul. It doesn't say that they were worshiping idols during that period of time, but we know that they weren't worshiping God. They were worshiping idols. All the time after David they're gonna, and Solomon, we're going to see the people worshiping idols. And off and on, we see them getting many idols 
and God is going to bring judgment upon them because of all of the idol worship they're doing. And David has enough wisdom at this point to say, burn all these idols and gods. What idols and gods do we have in our life? Do we destroy them or do we keep them around just in case? Just in case God doesn't do what I want to done and I can, he doesn't answer my prayers, he doesn't follow through his words, I have my God and my idol. We in America like to think that we don't have idols. We have just as many idols as these other nations that had gold and silver. We have work, we have family, we have all kinds of gods. Many people worship their television and entertainment. They've got to watch their shows. They've got to put it all together. And they spend more time with their idols and their gods than they do with the God of the universe. And we need to be able to understand that God wants our full heart, soul, mind, and strength worshiping him. Not part of it, not being divided, and looking at how are we going to serve him in all that we do. So they destroyed all these idols that they had found. And verse 13 says, And the Philistines yet again spread themselves abroad in the valley. Therefore David inquired again of God, and God said unto him, Go not after them, turn away from them, and come upon them over against the mulberry trees. And it shall be when you have heard the sound of the going up in the tops of the mulberry trees, that you, then you shall go out to battle, for God has gone forth before you to smite the host of the Philistines. David therefore did as the Lord commanded him, and they smote the host of the Philistines from Gibeon even to Gaza. And the fame of David went out into all the lands, and the Lord brought the fear of him upon all nations. So here we are, David, again, doing what he's supposed to do. He goes before God, he inquires of God, and says, God, they've They've come back. What do you want me to do? Shall I go up and get them? And this is the interesting thing that we have. God does not do the same thing over and over again. He does different things. And so here he says, David, you're not going to go straight up and attack them. I want you to go around. It's going to look like you're retreating. You're going to go around on the side of them. And when you hear the birds in the top of the mulberry trees you are to make your attack on them and then he says you will you'll have victory it is so interesting when we look at how god does this and jesus is a great example how many times did he heal blind people and and lepers he did it a different way each time he would touch one and say you're clean one guy, he spit, made mud and spit it, spit in it out of the dust and, and put it on his eyes. Another time, he just spoke. God does things differently in every situation of our life. And we need to really understand because we like to have everything in a nice, easy pattern. God, I just know what you're going to do because this is what you've done in the past. And I know that this is how you're going to do it in the future. And God says, well, I'm going to have a new plan for you. We need to be ready for that new plan. We need to always go before God and say, God, what is it that you want me to do this time? Not sit down and say, well, this is what happened before and it works and now we're going to do this. One of the things that happens in so many churches is God gives people a plan on how to evangelize, how to build up church. 
And it works for them. God gave them that plan and it works. And then they bundle it up and sell it to everybody else and say, this is how you do it. God, God works this way. We need to be so careful about not trying to say this is what God does. David was given a different plan for the second battle. And God says, this is the battle plan for this time around. Do not try to follow the same plan. And when we look at this, it's hard for us sometimes. We say, well, you know what? When we did this last year, God, God blessed when we did this. We're going to do it all over again. God has new ways, fresh water, fresh and living ways for us on each time he comes before us. He does not give us stale, dead words. He does not give us stale, dead water. He gives us a new, living way of doing things because he is always new. He is always fresh. And he's going to do a new work each time that he works with us and be able to take and move us forward in all that we do in a new and special way. And this is what he's doing for David. He goes, David, the first time, just charge at him. You're going to win. He goes, next time, David, go around on the side and beat them from coming around the side. And it says, David, therefore did as God commanded him, and they smote the host of the Philistines, from Gibeon even to Gazer. And that means all the way back down to the home of the Philistines. And David soundly trounced them in this battle. Now he broke out on them and they, and they retreated. This time God says you're chasing them all the way back home so that they will not be a problem to you anymore. And we see this beautiful issue that goes forth. David serves God. And God reaches out and makes him new and gives him a new way of doing things. And then David is able to reach out and trust God in a new and mighty way because God is new. And we're going to see this over and over in our lifetime. God gives us new ways to do things. He, gives, he does things in ways that make no sense. And he will turn around and give us things to say, do it this way because this is what I want for you. And I have a plan, and I want you to trust me. In Psalms it says, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. What is our hope in? Is our hope in what we can do, the strength that we can gather in, the tools that we can gather in, or is our strength in God? When we let God do the work, we will see miracles. We will see God doing things that we could not even imagine because when we are weak, he is strong and he wants to be strong in our weakness and show that he is the one that does the mighty things. His way of salvation is something that we cannot even imagine. What person would ever conceive of a God that would come in flesh and die for the people that, that hate him, that are sinning against him, that he cannot be around and yet he dies for them so that he can forgive them. What a beautiful blessing that we have built into all of this as we watch God work. Then God takes 11 men that he had trained that are weak, that are hiding out in the upper room, that are ready to fold and, and go away. Matter of fact, Peter says, I'm going fishing. And God comes and he gives them the Holy Spirit and a new work starts and the church grows 
and builds up from 11 men that turn the world upside down with the gospel of Christ, that all that becomes new as God reaches down and looks at our life, he says that when we are in Christ, we are a new creation, all things are become new. We need to be able to understand that it is all God. Our gifts and calling are by God. When I serve God, it is by Him and His strength that I serve Him. It is not what I do. It is not what I can do. It is what God can do through me by my surrender to Him. And surrender is the key portion of this. I give up to God and watch what He does. I let Him be my support. I let Him allow me to go through and change all of my life and be able to look at what he does. It is amazing to see the changes that God makes in our life and the changes that he will help us with as we allow him to be the one that makes those changes. We want to serve him in all that we do and all that we care by letting him be the master. Let him be the one that we trust and watch what he will do and he will do great things. Sometimes he will shut doors that we think are should be open. Sometimes he'll open doors that we can't even imagine. He tells us that his people will stand before kings and governors, and we can be able to do that and watch what God will do when he works through us. So this is where we're going to stop today, just because my voice is starting to give out, and I do not have a lot of strength. So we're just going to give a short message today and we're going to post this lord we just thank you for how much you love and care for us help this go out and you be useful and work with us in jesus name amen listening friends do you know god not just know about him today is the day to decide to become his child god loves you and jesus came to die for your sins in romans 3:23, we are told for all have sinned and come short of the glory of god we all have sinned god says the penalty for sin is death. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We sin and deserve death and hell. However, Romans 5.8 says, But God commended his love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God loves you so much, he died for us so that we can be forgiven and have eternal life. How do we do this? Romans 10, 9-8 says that if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Today is that day for you to come to God and truly know him. Do you know him? Do you want to know him? Pray in your own words like this, God, I know that I am a sinner and deserve punishment. I believe that Jesus died to pay my sins. Forgive me and help me to turn from my sins and to live for you. If you have asked this of God and truly believe you are God's child and part of, of his family, we encourage you to do these things. First, tell somebody that you are saved. Second, start reading the Bible each day. We recommend starting with Ephesians and then the Gospel of John. Find a good Bible teaching church. If this is your, your day of salvation, you can contact us and we will send you a booklet to get started on your new life and are available to help you with any questions you have about the Bible. You can contact us by email at office at chloridebaptistchurch.com 
or by mail at Chloride Baptist Church, P.O. Box 65, Chloride, Arizona 86431.